0: first off welcome to all of you and this morning how many of you first off you enjoyed the revival series how many of you are like yeah that was awesome yes i did too i really really enjoyed uh the revival series and i encourage you if you missed any of those messages please go back check out the the website you can get a the podcast podbean all of those things And uh, go back, check that out, because, man, there was just some really, really good stuff that Pastor Randy taught us, Pastor John uh, from North Place in Texas came, and we just had a really good time. This morning, I'm going to shift gears just a little bit and uh, just really preach something that God has been personally dealing with my life about in an area where I'm personally growing and learning, um, and then also that I just felt like the Lord wanted me to share. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 5, if you have a Bible, or it will be on the screen. And we're going to be reading one small story, but yet a very, very powerful story. Verse 12 through 16, it says this, it says, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. Everybody say covered. covered. Yeah, he was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and he begged him. He said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. I, I love this powerful, powerful story in the gospel of Luke. And we're going to see why it's so powerful this morning. But really, I, I love the three simple words of Jesus, and it's what I want us to talk about this morning. Three simple words of Jesus when he says, I am willing. I am willing. Okay, real fast, look at the person beside you and say, He is willing. He is willing. There you go. Okay, just wanted to make sure you're awake with me. You, you forget, I was a youth pastor, you know, so you gotta like, I am willing. You see, oftentimes it's easy for us to, for me especially, to, to hear a story in the Bible or, or read a passage of Scripture that maybe, even if you've never heard it, or for me, sometimes I hear them a thousand times and, and ask myself, what relevance does this have for me? But as we're going to see this morning, the relevance of this passage is really for all of us, okay? So even if you're the person that's here today and you're just new to this following Jesus thing, you're like, you know what, I'm just brand new in becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, We know that as a Christian, okay, Uh, but I like to avoid sometimes our Christianity. And so maybe you mean to be a Christian, it means to be a lifelong follower of Jesus Christ. And so maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, I'm new to this whole thing. I just started in following Jesus. I'm still trying to figure all this out. I still got addictions I'm dealing with. That's okay. This passage is relevant for you today. Or maybe you're someone that says, you know what? I have loved the Lord and served him for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. I'm I'm, I'm still growing and learning what it means to follow Jesus, but but I love him and I have been serving him most of my life. Then this passage is for you. Or maybe you're in a third camp that says, bro, I don't even know why I'm here. I just heard they had free donuts. Okay, so... (laughs) I was just like, Krispy Kreme, what's up? You know, that's I, I'm convinced they put something in there that is addictive. I don't know what it is. I'm not going to ask any questions, but I love them. It's so good. Caught <laughs> it. So good. <laughs> no matter which camp you may fall in, in any one of those three, or maybe you're somewhere in between, can I tell you this morning that this passage is for you. This story is for all of us. And here's the thing that we're going to go on this morning, this journey. At the end, we're going to have a question that all of us are going to have to wrestle with and all of us are going to answer. At the very end today, the worship team's going to come back. We're going to have a little time of worship and, and spend some time with the Lord. But we have a question that we all have to answer this morning. So Luke tells us Uh, In verse 12, that Jesus was in a certain town and that a man comes along with leprosy. Now, maybe you know what leprosy is, maybe you don't, but in the ancient world, leprosy was really, it was a terrible, destructive disease. It was really a a skin problem, and and it would often start as like a small sore or something on on a, a, a place on a person's body, and then it would often grow to something much, much bigger. Leprosy was and still is today a destructive disease, and what it does is it eats away at the flesh of the person suffering from the disease is literally a flesh eating disease and what happens is uh, slowly but surely their extremities begin to fall off they start losing fingers and toes and and ears and all of these different body parts because they are suffering in their body with this disease oftentimes even today you can go to some countries around the world and leprosy is still a big big issue and problem Oftentimes people will just uh, have this issue for so long in their bodies that they'll be left with a stump for a leg or a stump for an arm or things like that. But really the, the, the worst part of leprosy is the physical devastation that it has on the person's nervous system. You see, just as a blind man can't see and a deaf man can't hear, a leper can't feel. They lose all feeling. Their body becomes numb. And so they have this inability to feel pain in different parts of their body. that often leads to injury and it leads to death. And so physically, they are alive, but they are dead. They are the original walking dead, okay? Carl has nothing on these guys. (laughs) Don't watch it. Anyways, they are. They're alive, but they're dying. And when you read from Dr. Luke, he tells us, you, knew, you know Luke was a physician, right? Uh, yeah, Luke was a physician. He was a doctor. And so I like to look at the Gospels a little bit different, you know, because we have Matthew. He's the formal guy that wrote to the Jews. Right? So he's Matthew. He's very formal. He's that guy. And then you got Marky Mark over here, uh, second guy. Okay? Marky Mark is just all about the action. Right? Like he was just skip the birth, go into the action. Okay? And then you have Luke, Dr. Luke. He was a physician. And then you have little John. He's the last one. He's the hype guy. Okay? He was just about the miracles. Anyway. <laughs> Dr. Luke tells us that this man was not just a leper, but that he was covered with leprosy. Actually, some translations say that he was full of leprosy. So this is a man who is suffering physically in his body, probably beyond what any of us could ever imagine. It's important for us to understand his condition before we get to the good stuff. Not only is he suffering physically, but socially and emotionally as well. How do we know that? We gotta look back to the law, the book of Leviticus chapter 13. This is the law of the Old Testament that God gave through Moses for the children of Israel. God was giving them very specific things that they were to live by. Luke 13, verse 45 says this, says anyone with such a defiling disease Uh, This was talking about skin diseases, okay? Anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of their face. It kind of sounds like a hipster millennial, actually, now that I'm reading that. (laughs) I just wear torn clothes. I don't really fix my hair, you know, and I wear my mask. No, they, they do. They cover the lower part of their face. Look at that. God did it first. That's amazing. I'm just now seeing that. They covered the lower part of their face, but look at this. And they had to cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. Look at that. They must live outside of the camp. Could you imagine living in quarantine your entire life? That's what this is. (laughs) Literally, literally. Like, this isn't just one of those like, oh, well, you know, we had it for a little bit, now it's good. But because God was putting things in place to protect the nation of Israel, and they didn't have modern medicine back then, this was required by the law. So the leper was to walk around with torn clothes, with crazy hair, with something covering the lower half of their face. And any time someone would get close, they would have to shout, unclean, unclean. (laughs) Could you imagine what that did to them psychologically? Every time that they were trying to be with people, they couldn't. And when people would get close to them, they would have to say, unclean, unclean course, this was for sanitation and and cleanliness for the sake of the nation. But of course, like most things, by the time Jesus arrives on the scene, the religious leaders have added so much to this law. Uh, In Jesus's day, you had to stay two meters at least away from a leper. Couldn't get within two meters of them because then they believed you started breathing their air. And then once you breathe their air, you could possibly be infected. And then you yourself would have to become with the rest of the lepers in the camp outside the city. Not only that, rabbis taught that if the wind blew towards a person from a leper, they had to keep 45 meters away from them. That's a long ways. If someone got too close, the leper had to cry cry out, unclean, unclean. And if they touched the leper or they were touched by them, you were considered unclean and you had to present yourself to the priest and you had to go into quarantine. They believed you would get the disease. Did you know, I even read this this week, that if a leper touched a dog, the dog had to be killed. I know, right? I read that. I was like, oh. I thought of my little corgi. I was like. <laughs> the lepers were the outcasts of society. They are rejected, despised like refuse. They're viewed, viewed as garbage. They are feared, despised, and neglected. I Wanna look back at verse 12? Here's what it That's this man who comes to Jesus. I want to look back at verse 12. Here's what it says. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground, and he begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand, and he touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean, and immediately The leprosy left him. You see, church, here's the truth of today. His condition led to desperation where he met compassion. His condition led to desperation where he ultimately met compassion. This leper, he was in a condition that dehumanized him in the society that he lived in. Please go here with me. He was living in a place and in a situation where he wasn't no longer, he he was no longer a husband, a father, a son, a neighbor, a friend, an enemy, an employee, a coworker. No, 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 no. That's not what he was. He was simply a leper. Because if Society can dehumanize you, then it doesn't have to see you as an equal opportunity employer. If we can push people down and say, you are less than me because you live here or you make that amount of money or because of this color of your skin or because of what happened to my family and your family in the past. If we can oppress someone, then we don't have to see them as a human being. He was the outcast. His identity was <clears throat> leper. I had to ask myself this week how often do I turn a blind eye or a deaf ear to the poor, to the outcast, to the marginalized around me? I neglect to see that the guy backing up my car is a father, maybe a husband, maybe a son, maybe a friend, a neighbor sometimes can neglect to see that, that whoever we deem in our little order that we do oftentimes in our minds, we can neglect to really see someone for their true value, their true worth, and their true dignity in life. That everyone and anyone that I see on a daily basis, they are just as much a child of God that Jesus died for, valuable to our father and children devalue another human being a child of God and write them off because of their condition he's just a leper he's just a poor boy from that area she's just a girl from that family Lord help us, Lord help me not to neglect those for whom you died because I can't see past their condition Lord, help me not to write people off and just say it's too much work. I can't deal with this person. It's too hard because ultimately they are a product of their environment. Rather than us bringing them along with us and saying, hey, let me teach you how to be at work on time. Let me teach you what it looks like to manage money in a way that honors God. Lord, help me not to neglect people for whom you died. His condition led to desperation. God said, we just can't keep looking at people's condition and writing them off, church. His condition led him to desperation. The Bible says he falls with his face to the ground and he begs Jesus. Begs that, that word in the Greek, the New Testament was written in Greek, and that word in the Greek language, it is a tearful plea to Jesus. He's desperate. Maybe he heard from somewhere else, from, from someone else, that this guy, Jesus, is a healer, or this guy, Jesus, man, he just turned water to wine. I don't know what happened. I don't know. He, somehow he heard about Jesus. He's desperate. And he tells Jesus, he says, you can make me clean. Did you notice he didn't say you can heal my body? Isn't that interesting? He didn't say, no, no, no. He didn't say you can, you can uh, heal me of my leprosy. He said you can make me clean. Why? Because he wants a cleansing, not just physically, but the whole of who he is. Every single deficit within him, socially and economic, all of those things. He says, Jesus, you can make me clean. He's desperate. Can I tell you, I see him so often, man. There, there are desperate people right here. Even when you go to work, you see them in the shops. They're desperate. I see them riding up and down. I call them lepers and Lamborghinis. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> They're the walking dead. They have everything, but yet they have nothing. Because it's like, ooh, let me just have everybody look at me because I'm, anyways, yeah. (laughs) I always embarrass the kids because they have the fancy car shows, and I have my Honda Accord, you know, and I go by, and I put it in neutral, and I'm like, re, (laughs) re, (laughs) re. It is awesome. And the guys laugh, and I'm like, woo, you know. (laughs) The best. We leave youth on Friday night. They're partying up here, you know, and I'm just revving my Honda and like bumping return of the Mac. It's awesome. It's great. You know, I can't help a joke. Lord, I'm sorry. I said I wouldn't. <laughs> There's desperate people. They're everywhere. We see them everywhere we go. It doesn't matter rich, poor, young, or old, tall, short. It doesn't matter if they're living in Phoenix or M'shlonga or Verulam or in Shlode or Kwamashu. It does not matter where they are. There are people around us every day. They are the walking dead. They are desperate. Life is empty, dull, and it is unsatisfying, and they're looking for hope. They're desperate. There are spiritually dead people all over our city, our country, our continent, and ultimately our world. They're desperate for hope. They're desperate for a cleansing. And I love that desperation of this man, it led him to the feet of Jesus Christ. And Jesus shows us something powerful. And really, he, he teaches us what true compassion looks like. Uh, Verse 13, I want to read it again just because we got to get it in our heads and in our souls this morning. Verse 13 says, Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Jesus reaches out and touches the leper. Now, if you know your Bible and if you've read it, he doesn't have to, okay? Because many times, oftentimes, actually, many other times in the scripture, Jesus simply says a word and someone is healed. Actually, in in, I think chapter 17 of Luke, Jesus will, uh, 10 lepers, 10 come to Jesus looking for healing because they probably heard about this guy. They're like, hey. And at that point, Jesus doesn't touch any of them. He simply tells them, go and show yourself to the priest. And the Bible says, as they went, they were healed, okay? So Jesus doesn't have to touch in order for there to be healing. Why does he do that? Jesus wanted to show that he was going to cross all of the cultural barriers, all of the religious barriers, all of the social barriers, because he was going to touch this man. The Lord reached out his hand and he touched him. Now, when I've read that in the past, I have always thought, you know, like it was just that slight grave, you know. Just a little, kind of like, I'm going to be honest, Like in America, when we lived there and even when we go back, I make people feel so awkward because <laughs> when we first moved here, I felt a little awkward because people greet me and they are like, full on, bringing it in, hug. <sighs> you know, we like to hug. And I was like, at first, I was like, okay, this is a little weird, but I can dig it. In the States, where I come from, it's like, if you hug, it's like this weird, awkward side pat on the shoulder. Like, leaving room for the Holy Spirit, and it's like, (laughs) bless you, sister, you know? It's weird. It's awkward. You shake the old man's hand, and you're like, okay, every bone in my hand just broke, because they're like, hello. (laughs) I'm like, dear God, can't we just hug? You know? (laughs) We moved to South Africa. I will never forget the first time one of the, the young men in our youth group, his mom has started coming to church, and, and praise God, she was coming. It was amazing. And uh, she greeted me, and she gave me a massive big old hug and planted a kiss right here. Bye out. So I didn't really think much of it. I was like, all right. How are you? Okay. God bless you. My wife comes up to me she 's talking about something. She stops mid sentence. Why do you have red lipstick on your cheeks? <laughs> <laughs> I was like uh I think I, I got a kiss from his mom." <laughs> so. So we got used to that. We we hug, it's normal, like it's at least and which is great. My love language is physical touch and so you know, please forgive me if I've made you feel awkward because I will sometimes put my hand on a shoulder or something like that, you know. I try to reserve myself. We go back to the States and I'm doing that and people are like, you know, like they just I'm like, What's wrong with you, man? It's just a hug, you know? When I read this passage before, I honestly pictured it as as the American, you know, like eh, Jesus reached out his hand and touch. But that's actually not what it reads in the original uh language. The the word that's used is not just like a simple graze, but the word for touch in Greek means an embrace. Maybe Maybe that day, Jesus, as the leper, is down on the ground, and he doesn't know what else to do because his condition has put him there, and his desperation has brought him there. And he doesn't know what's going to happen, and Jesus walks up. Maybe Jesus grabbed his shoulder firmly that day, and no one had touched him like that in a long time. Maybe Jesus grabbed the back of his neck and pulled him into himself and said, I am willing. Maybe Jesus gave him a full-on embrace, the back crack hug. I don't know what he did, but he embraced him. He was, what was he doing? He was meeting the greatest need of this man. You see, just the physical healing was not the greatest need. His greatest need was, I need to be touched by God himself. And can I tell you this morning, maybe you're here today, and you have had the physical touch for a long time, and you've had all of this stuff, and your condition has today. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus is here to you in his loving arms and say, Willing. Oof. I'll never forget when I was 16 years, 15 years old, and I had done so much stupid stuff. I had almost went to prison for involuntary manslaughter, and I was at my wits' end. And I cried out to Jesus. I knew it was wrong. Everything I was doing. I, 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 I grew up in church. I got saved every Sunday night because I was scared of going to hell, not because I love Jesus. And then after that, in that moment, finally it clicked because my condition led me to desperation. And my desperation that night, I found compassionate embrace in a loving father who said, my son, I love you. He loves you. He doesn't wait for you to have it all together. Oh my gosh, that's such a lie of the enemy. You gotta wait till everything's right, until you get married to her because you know and, and you gotta wait and make sure you do this first and that first and start tithing and all No. He says, I love you and I am willing. He's here today. He knows your condition. He sees your desperation. And what I love about Jesus' touch was it was a touch of compassion. Can I be honest with you just for a moment? Um, Anytime I would hear something about compassion, I was usually just like, oh, you know, that's sweet. (laughs) That's what compassion for a long time uh, meant to me in my mind was, you know, often to, I would equate compassion with just being sweet, or being kind. Uh, it's almost viewed as something that is weak. But can I tell you that's the farthest thing from the truth. Compassion is this. It's, it's recognizing and responding to the greatest need of someone else. Recognizing and responding to the greatest need of someone else. A lot of emotional researchers, they, they define compassion as the feeling that arises when you are confronted with suffering, pain, or the need of someone else. You know that feeling that I'm talking about? I don't know about you. I, 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 it's what I picture Jesus had when he's flipping over the tables in the temple because he compassionately believed that the Gentiles, that was their place to pray. It's the feeling that arises in me when I see a child being treated wrong. I may call some of y'all from jail someday because I got in trouble. (laughs) It's the feeling that arises when the man is yelling at the girl, at the cashier, at the till because he's had a bad day and he doesn't see her worth and her dignity. Compassion rises in me because she has a need in that moment and it's like, no, dude, hold up. Big things come in small packages. So, you know, I'm like, you got to chill, homie. (laughs) You like that, Emmanuel? (laughs) That's compassion. You see the suffering of someone else. You see a need that someone has, and you are driven to do something about it. Jesus was a compassionate, manly man. He saw the suffering of others, he saw their need, and he recognized it, and then he responded to it. Jesus didn't simply look at the leper and say, oh, shame, (laughs) that's sad, on to the next town. Well, if I touch him, I'm unclean. Uh, Jesus didn't have the reasons to say, well, hang on, there's this whole crowd of people waiting to hear my next sermon. I don't have time for you, little leper man. Sorry. That's not what Jesus did. He responded. See, Christ like compassion means that I recognize a need and then I respond, I, I move into action. And the thing is, just like Jesus did, sometimes you have to cross some barriers to respond. Oftentimes, you're going to have to cross barriers to respond. And despite those barriers, I must act. Jesus crossed the barriers culturally, socially, everything. And he said, I am willing. And I mentioned at the beginning that we're going to have a question that we all have to answer today. And really, the question is, am I willing? It's not a tough one, but it's really a question that deals with, am I willing to see people in their condition, to see them in their desperation, and then show them and point them to true compassion so that their greatest need is met. And the greatest need of all of us is salvation. The greatest need that all of us have are hearing and learning and growing closer and closer to Jesus Christ. Am I willing? In 2010, uh, some of you know this, some of you don't. Pastor Desra, Pastor Randy, they were comfortable living a great life in Texas, pastoring a church. God spoke to them and said there's someone else, other people in a different part of the world. Here's their condition, here's their desperation, and I want you to respond. And they had to answer the question, am I willing to go? And they did. They moved to Swaziland, started ministry there, and even after that, they would leave Swaziland to start a movement here, urban tribes. It's the reason we're all here today. Am I If you remember back in July, we, North Place, we were willing. We were willing to meet the need for food in our community. And we crossed barriers, financial barriers, personnel barriers, all of these things that we could have made excuses and said, no, 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 we can't do that. It's dangerous, all this stuff. But we said, no, you know what? There's a need and we recognize the need and we must respond to the need. So we were able to feed most a lot of our community and resource pastors in our community to feed their communities. Am I willing? Lord, we are willing. Use us, God, to show this world your love. Lord, we love you. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for these wonderful, wonderful people. Jesus, thank you that you were willing to leave all of heaven for every single one of us. You were willing to die in our place to pay the penalty for my sin so that I could have freedom and life in you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, today I pray that you will be with us as we go. God, I ask, give your people a wonderful week. Bless them, keep them, protect them. And Jesus will do it all for your glory, for your name's sake. In your name we pray. And everybody said, Amen.